So the names I got for this one is either Tabuco, <laughs> <Get it>. Tabuco, <laughs> or Leathermouse, or Ugh. Modest Mouth. Ugh, modest mouth. Yes. Wow, that's the best. That is the most beautiful phrase I've ever heard in my life. I think that, and <laughs> modest mouth <laughs> and and leather mouth. They write their name. It's capital L, lowercase e, and then the rest of the letters are all capitalized. And the O they copied from you again has that slash through really? it. Oh. So it's lay. Leathermouth. 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 Yeah, Leathermouth. So m- modest mouth. I guess. Modest, I guess. That's a modest one. Modest mouth. <laughs> mouth. Mm. All right. Uh, hello and welcome to Shuffle, episode 22. Please make sure to listen to the five songs that we will be discussing in this week's episode. Links to Spotify and YouTube playlists can be found in this episode's description. I am sitting here with DJ. Derek, I, I believe is his name. Thanks for having me, Jared. Yep, this is uh, Derek's first time on the podcast. I hope I do a good job. He, I just, I couldn't do it. Like, sorry, it's been so long, guys. I just, I had to get rid of Dominic. He it was just getting to be too much, and then I had to find someone new. So I found Derek. Thanks for having me. That Dominic, you really thought he was funny, and I think it came across. I, I, I can't claim to speak for everyone, but I think we're all glad he's gone. He was kind of a big-headed, hard-headed guy. I I don't like people that think they're funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, mean? I think the word jackass. Yeah, I didn't want to say it, but uh, yeah, he was kind of a jackass. Yeah, he just didn't fit the image of Shuffle. I think. So I think Derek. I think me. <laughs> me is what you're looking for, pal. I think Derek. I mean, I think I. <laughs> That's me. I'm Derek. Derek is Derek is right up your alley. He fits the shuffle image. Family friendly. You know what I mean? With a bit of an edge. Dominic, he was all edge and just a touch of family. <laughs> and that's very wrong. That just comes across as just very perverse, yeah, I think. The the phrase a touch of family sounds slightly <laughs> like pedophilic in some ways. Yeah, I don't think it resonated with the fans. And uh so I think Derek, no. I'm all family, a touch of edge. That's the shuffle guarantee right there. You ever there. just touched an edge of something and go, oh, that needs more That's, family. Yeah, you go, ooh, ooh, ooh. That's me. I'm the everything good in the little, ooh. You know what I mean? But Derek. Derek. That's the shuffle guarantee. Yeah. Derek. All right, now I miss Dominic. Dude, come on. Fuck, <laughs> fuck that <laughs> guy. If Dominic come were here saying. right now, he'd be doing the, the DJ voice, and everyone would be like, okay, there he is. This is the DJ voice. This, this is the is, NPR voice. This is the DJ voice. <laughs> oh, I made a huge mistake, guys. <laughs> well, maybe I can take some solace in the fact that it has been nine episodes since our last ICP incident. Fuck. Yeah. Wait, what was the last ICP song? It, it's only been the one. It was the... Uh, we should get a tattoo Every time, every time one ICP. comes up, that would be fucked it was, up. That would be so fucked up. Maybe we would get like a international news for like one millisecond. You know what I mean? That's all we need. We would go down in the history, like a hundred years from now. Think about Jared. Hear me out for a second. You can edit this out of the podcast if you have to. Go with me for a second. What if every time there's an ICP incident, we tattoo ourselves? By the time we're middle aged, we have tattoos all over our bodies. 
they would make a documentary out of us like a hundred years from now our kids would get the money but I don't care about them <laughs> yeah fuck kids <laughs> fuck kids especially fuck them our kids, yeah. you know what I'm <laughs> I know what you're saying. That's the spirit. I know what you're saying. That's the spirit. That's the shuffle guarantee. That's the shuffle guarantee. <laughs> Fuck kids, especially Fuck the our future. kids. That's why I don't like kids because they're the future, and that I find very irritating. <laughs> I don't like that. Every morning when I wake up, I'm so upset that time has progressed. Yeah, it's very irritating. And then there's these little kids, and they're the future. <laughs> Fuck them. Anyways, sorry, I digress. Wow, Derek. You're really about. showing your Dominic side. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'll be. I'll be a you little more. You just cut all family. your family with that. <laughs> those edges. I guess there's a little bit of Dominic in me. <laughs> That's not creepy at all. That's just a little edge. For well, you. if y'all didn't listen to the news episode that was posted along with this, you might not know that we're trying something a little different. We're doing the news separate than the main episodes just so you guys don't have to listen to us talk for two hours. Let us know if you like this or not. If yeah, apparently some people have been complaining they don't like to hear us talk. Oh, I mean, it's you. Damn. You were the one that sent the complaint. <laughs> You're the only listener. It had to have been you. Yeah, it was me. Me and my mom. <laughs> my mom was like, ugh, God. <laughs> I heard I know this I enough gave, growing up. I know I gave that. birth to you, but two hours of your voice is just <laughs> this is brutal. migraine inducing. Think about the moms. Think about the moms. That's the shuffle guarantee. <laughs> yeah. Think about the moms. We're putting the moms first, all right? Fuck kids. Fuck the future. You know what's funny? We're Jared's mom doesn't listen to this podcast. <sighs> she tried to. She tried to. She was being nice. She listened and she said, ugh. Ugh. <laughs> That's what my dad did. My dad listened and went, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> ugh. And then he went into the hospital. <laughs> yeah. There you go. He just put on Merle Hager. <laughs> End of story. <sighs> Sorry, right. mom. We'll probably start the episode right here. Yeah, right? this is where we're going to start. <laughs> so, welcome to Shuffle. Welcome to Shuffle. Oh, yeah. There it is. Oh. Where have we been? That macho man Randy Savage. <laughs> Take a bite of a Slim Jim. Oh yeah. Hey, you can't say that. We don't have the rights to say. <laughs> oh that. yeah. Take a bite of an M Jim. Oh yeah. M Jim. <laughs> or, or, uh, masticate this Slim Jim. <laughs> yeah. Masticate this narrow Jim. Oh yeah. Uh, so with that. Yeah. Skipping over the news. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> jump straight into our first track. I love music. Which is <laughs> What if I did that the whole episode? You're dead. You're <laughs> dead, Randy. <laughs> Let us talk about My Way by The chord progression is fantastic and so subtle. <laughs> it's the opposite of my vocal delivery. <laughs> my Way by Nina Simone. Off of her 1971 album, Here Comes the Sun. Eunice Kathleen Wayman is Nina Simone. Wow, really? That was her real name. Eunice. Yeah. And she was an American singer, songwriter, pianist, arranger, and civil rights activist who worked in a broad range of musical styles, including classical, jazz, blues, folk, R&B, gospel, and pop. 
Her musical style fused gospel and pop with classical music, in particular like Johann Sebastian Bach, and accompanied expressive jazz-like singing into her contralto voice. Wayman was born in North Carolina and aspired to be a concert pianist. With the help of a few supporters in her hometown of Tyrone, North Dakota, or Tryon, North Dakota. North Dakota? North Carolina. Sorry. You're inspiring me. Your North Dakota vibes are. North Carolina. She enrolled, so with the help of some people from her hometown, she actually enrolled in the Juilliard School of Music in New York City. Juilliard. Juilliard. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. No hablo. Uh, uh, she then applied for a scholarship to study at the prestigious Curtis Institute of Music in Philadelphia, where she was denied acceptance despite a well-received audition. And she became fully convinced that this re- rejection had been entirely due to her race, a statement that has been a matter of controversy in her career years later. Uh, two days before her death, actually, the Curtis Institute of Music bestowed an honorary degree Nice. So, the last second. <laughs> yeah, last second. Last hey. second. Hey, we're not so bad. So, uh, after this rejection, in order to make a living, she then changed her name to Nina Simone. Nina from Nina, which meant little girl in Spanish. And Simone was taken from the French actress Simone Signoret. Signoret? I don't know how you'd say that in French. S I G N O R E T. Signoret? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, The change related to her need to disguise herself from her family members because she didn't want them to know that she chose to play devil's music at nightclubs in Atlantic City because they were very, very strict and religious. Yeah. Uh, She was told in the nightclub that she'd have to sing to her own piano accompaniment, and that effectively launched her career as a jazz vocalist. She just wanted to play piano for them. Uh, Over the span of her career, she recorded more than 40 albums, mostly between 1958, when she made her debut with Little Girl Blue in 1974, and had hit the United States... Oh, her first big hit in the United States was in 1958 with the song I Loves You, Porgy. Oh, yeah. Yep. Right. right, right, right. Uh, Simone lost more than a million dollars in royalties and never benefited financially from that album sales because she sold her rights for $3,000 at the time because she needed the money. Uh, in the mid-1960s, Simone changed her record label, and with that change came her outward interest in the civil rights movement. Civil rights messages became standard in Simone's recording repertoire, as well as her live performances. Though, during the rise of her political activism, the release of her music work actually grew more infrequent as she was channeling more energy into the civil rights movement. Simone advocated for violent revolution during the civil rights period rather than Martin Luther King's nonviolent approach and hoped that African Americans could, by armed combat, form a separate state. Hmm. She's pretty intense. Yeah, I, I had no idea wow, about I, that. There's a documentary that was just kind of, or not, uh, it's a biopic that's very, like, um, infamous now. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't. Because of the way it portrays her. It was tons of controversy if this was, like, accurate way to portray her or not. So I just know there's controversy around controversy, how to describe her life. Well, I did also read, like, 
I think they believe that she kind of like went most of her life undiagnosed as bipolar. Yeah. Because she had like frequent violent. Yep. Especially like even in the recording studio, like if she had to like redo a take, she just flipped the fuck out. Freak out. Yeah, yeah. I think this. So yeah, you can imagine how difficult it would be to do a biopic and not piss off the family. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. It's a wow. touchy subject. Yeah. So you haven't seen it? I haven't. No, I haven't seen it. So uh, this album, Here Comes the Sun, is an album consisting of a bunch of cover versions of songs by other pop and rock musicians. The title, Here Comes the Sun, and My Way, which of course is made famous by Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra, while though he made the song popular, he is actually not the... He didn't pen the song. Mm. The song was actually written by Paul Inca, and was set to music based on the French song. I still, <laughs> Comme des Habitudes. Sounds right. Uh, Comme des Habitudes, which means as a as usual in French, was co-composed and co-written and performed in 1976 by Claude Francois. Uh, he was a French pop singer, songwriter, and dancer who sold over 70 million records during his career and after his death. He was set to embark for the U.S. to tour when he was accidentally electrocuted in March of 1978, and he was only 39 years wow. old. Former French President Valérie Giscard is quoted as saying that Claude Francois was to him the French equivalent to the Beatles. Wow. Yeah. And What's I, the last name again? Francois. It's like... F R A N and then the C with like the little squiggly thing. Oh, I S. Wow, man. Francois. Never even heard of this guy. Yeah, um, I will post a video of his original song and you can hear the melody from My Way if you know Frank Sinatra's My Way. It's totally, it's a bit slower and the lyrics are completely different. Yeah. So, Paul Anka who wrote the song, is a Canadian-American singer and songwriter and actor who is also famous for writing the theme song of The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. <laughs> Paul Anka heard the original 1967 French pop song performed by Claude Francois while on holiday in the south of France, and he immediately flew to Paris to negotiate the rights to the song, acquiring an adaptation for recording and publishing rights to it for the mere nominal consideration of a dollar. Wow. That's it. Damn. If only he knew. <laughs> yeah. uh, sometime later, Anka had dinner in Florida with Frank Sinatra and, quote, a couple of mob guys, end quote, during which Sinatra said, I'm quitting the business. I'm sick of it. I'm getting the hell out, which inspired Anka to rewrite the original French, so French song for Sinatra. He was quoted saying, at one o'clock in the morning, I sat down at an old IBM electric typewriter and said, if Frank were writing this, what would he say? And I started metaphorically, and now the end is near. I read a lot of periodicals and noticed everything was my this or my that. We were in the me generation, and Frank became that guy for me to use to say that. I used words I would never use. I ate it up and spit it out. But that's the way he talked. I used to be around steam rooms with the Rat Pack guys, and they like to talk like mob guys, even though they would have been scared of their own shadows. 
Frank Sinatra recorded his version of the song on December 30th, 1969, and it currently holds the record for the recording that holds the most weeks in the UK Top 20, spending 75 weeks from April 1969 to September 1971. Wow, really? Yep. Huh. It wasn't always in the number one spot, but, but it stayed yeah. on the chart for... Wow. Uh, it's also been covered by Dorothy Squires, Elvis Presley, Sid Vicious, Chris Mann, yes, Glenn Campbell, The Pogues. Have you heard the Sex Pistols no, version? No, I haven't. Oh, man. I can only ensure it's very <laughs> fast. Actually, you know? it's not. It's actually kind of slow. And he just, yeah, he sounds like a total, like, son of a bitch. I did my <laughs> That sounds very vicious. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Post it. You should post it. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll look it up now. It's so funny. (laughs) Uh, David Bowie has also claimed that Sinatra's rendition of the song inspired his 1971 track Life on Mars, Hmm. whose instrumentation was based off the original French pop song. Uh, The song is pretty straightforward. It shows the thoughts of someone looking back on their life and feeling satisfied with how they got to where they were. Even if they didn't take the best path to their final destination, they did it how only they could do it, their way. Uh, Nina's rendition is pretty straightforward as well. She didn't change the lyrics at all, though she did kind of 1970s the shit out of it. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. Very, very, it kind of has this weird, that weird 1970s disco orchestration. Yeah. I don't have a better word for it. And it's funky. It's it's definitely funky, up tempo, per- a lot more yeah. percussion orientation. Yeah. So what cool. what what did you think of it? I mean, I, I f- will be totally honest. There's something about this song that just irritates the shit out of me. It just sounds it, Sinatra's version to me. I mean, I could be totally off base here, but when he sings it, it sounds so like smug. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The last thing you're thinking as you're like dying, I did it. It was all me. I don't know. It just sounds so smug. So actually, I I was totally unfamiliar with this version. I didn't know she did it, and I really liked it a lot. I thought she completely the smugness was gone, and her voice. Sinatra is so clean, and bourgeois in the way he sings. It's just kind of perfect, but she. Has all the she doesn't go throughout all the octaves, but she just digs deep into the resonance of the notes. You know what I mean? And yeah. it just adds a great feeling to it that you don't get with Sinatra. Well, Sinatra's smug, hers is much deeper. And even like on a shallow level, like her vocals are mixed pretty evenly with the rest of the music. Yeah. Like, yes. It's not yeah. like her vocals aren't featured. It's just part of the song. Yeah, it's almost. part of the, the soundscape. Yeah. yeah. The, the first thing I thought after I listened to it was, wow, that bongo player's hands must have been like fucking killing him by yeah, the, the end of the recording. The percussion is Yeah, the percussion is insane. I gotta say, the percussion. <laughs> but it's also, it's very, yeah. it's very odd in that I feel like kind of the idea of this song, and especially like Frank's you know, it starts quiet and kind of slowly builds into yep. this big extravagant crescendo. This song starts with an extremely fast tempo, yep. but it stays constant. Constant. There's no yeah, buildup. There's no. no, it's just kind of like it, it It immediately rises and then just plateaus from the first second yep. of the song and just stays the yeah, course fast. for the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's it's it is interesting because I feel like maybe it's almost kind of easy to like putting huge swelling crescendos just because it's kind of like an easy way to like yeah get emotion out of the listener. No, no, it's a that's more true. risky to just kind of be like constant. Yeah, yeah, we're just gonna do this. I would say we're the only. Again, I can't really hate on Frank Sinatra because that's like sacrilegious. But he's dead, Dominic. But he the can't, w- he can't hurt you anymore. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Fuck him. No, I'm but she, her voice is so like uh, effortless, and it's so to me, it's so much more dynamic. Frank Sinatra, perfect, classically. But her voice is much more dynamic. Just the easiest vibrato twisting. She'll sound like she's crying, and then she'll sound like she's just jubilant. There's something I don't, to me. This is the first time I listened to this song, and it felt like uh, redemptive. Whereas Sinatra, it's just this smug white dude who's like, "I did it my way." But I might have been projecting some of that like civil rights well, history. No, I mean, I I feel like. Especially with Nina Simone, like that's kind of hand in hand with. Yeah. Like she tried to integrate it so much into her work where it's hard to not take that into consideration when you're dissecting one yeah. of her works. Yeah, I always. Th- yeah. The only yeah. thing that I wish is like I, I, I can understand like when you're doing a cover of a song to like stay faithful to it, but if you're gonna like experiment so far with kind of the tempo and musicality. I don't know why this bugged me, but she like referred to herself as a he, and like you could have just changed that to she. Oh yeah, there's a, a genie idea. It's just like if if you're gonna try to yeah, true. I feel like when you do a cover of a song, in some way you're trying to take some sort of ownership of it. Yeah. Just yeah. that little that little change. I don't know. No, I maybe, can see maybe that. Maybe that shouldn't have bugged me, but that that's like the only thing is like I was kind of like, oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. When was this again? 70 something? 1971. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Women's movement was going on. She, she could have been. Reappropriate that shit. But honestly, I, I was a big. I was a fan probably because my. I just have such a dis. I hear this song growing up and it just reminds me of this smug. It's like George Clooney would sing it. It's just smug to me. There's something just very self righteous. But with her, her voice, it finds something much more almost like a spiritual about it. Well, and but yeah, you're you're absolutely right though that the by using that almost like disco syncopated percussiony up tempo, rhythmically, it's a little bit more flat. Yeah. But it does create a consistent syncopated landscape to hear her voice. True. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And she does a lot of weird things with her voice, but meh, meh, meh. Yeah. It's better than Frank Sinatra. Yeah. I just don't like Frank I don't know well, why. No, I have no, no reason not to like him. With Frank, when he says, "I did it my way," you're thinking like, "Yeah." And with the help of the <laughs> mafia. When yeah. She says, "I did it my way." You're kind of like, "Yeah." It she means probably something. did do it her yeah, way. Yeah. It means something yeah. much more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, any other thoughts or? No, no, no. Uh, I think it's a pretty good cover. Yeah, it's a good cover. But you no, know, I think you, you do raise some good points, though. That what's the point of a cover? Could she have done a little more musically, too? Especially uh-huh. like on an album of cover songs. Yeah, I feel like that warrants some 
Yeah. Appropriation of Will I ever seek this song out to listen to it? No. No. Nah. I'll probably never hear this song again. Yeah, take that, Nina. (laughs) (laughs) Take that, Mrs. Simone. Nina. All right, let's move on to our second track. An Owl with Knees by The Books. The book. That's one for the books. You think they say that after hey, this every is in the concert? New segment, man. This is in the news <laughs> oh, segment. <laughs> Leave that I, punch shit <laughs> on the news segment. I don't know who you're talking about. I'm Derek. Oh, sorry. You're right. Dominic does the news. Derek Dominic, does. Dominic is relegated to the news. <laughs> okay, this is off the 2005 album Lost and Safe. The books were an American duo formed in New York City in 1999, consisting of guitarist, bassist, vocalist Nick Zamuto and cellist Paul DeJong. Uh, the duo. DeJong? Like well, DeJong Mustard? I know that's not how I'm. I know that's not how it's pronounced. That's not how it's pronounced. It's like DeJong or DeJong. I've heard him say it out loud. If he's American. I don't think I think I don't think he's French. I think he's French. Oh, yeah, this. Oh, Paul. Yeah, his name is Paul. Oh, yeah. We don't have any French <laughs> listeners. Not anymore, at least. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the duo first met in New York City in 1999 when they shared the same apartment building. Uh, Paul invited Nick to dinner at his apartment where he played him some of his uh, uh, collection of audio and video samples. Nick said of their meeting that, quote, We both kind of knew at that moment that we listened to music in interesting ways and had similar approaches to music. Their music is what Nick Zamuto describes as collage music, which hmm. usually consists hmm. of acoustic instrumentation of folk melodies played on guitar, cello, piano, and more, combined with a diverse range of samples obtained from cassettes found in thrift stores. Really? Now I realize this song we listen to does not implement that second half at all. Yeah, I was going to say the first half right on. Which second is, half I didn't. Which is odd because they have all of their music. Like it's actually very odd that this song doesn't have any samples because most of their music, what they do is they go to thrift stores and find like old answering machines with tapes on it. Yeah. And they'll just find these weird eclectic vocal recordings from nowhere, or like they'll find like old workout tapes from the 1980s and infomercials, and they'll. That's why it's called collage music, where they'll build yeah. songs around these weird audio samples. I should have listened to one of those just to get a sense. Yeah, I, I didn't even really think about it until it just hit me now huh. that you didn't get to really experience that part of their Do music. Do you know if there is maybe randomly some sample embedded in this song? It's not central. Maybe it is, though. The only thing that might is often sometimes what they'll do is they'll find like weird samples and then they'll take what's the said on the audio samples and turn into lyrics for the song oh, so that it maybe could, it that could have been that yeah yeah i don't know okay but i don't believe there's actually any of their samples yeah on here i'll have to check them out though. but they'll also do like really weird interesting things to like create the songs beyond the samples like they'll in like the small little locked groove on a vinyl record They'll like he'll take a pin and poke holes in it 
<laughs> so then when it plays, it'll like make weird little popping sounds. Wow. And then he'll use that as the basis for the percussion track on. Nice. That's how they'll make the beats of the songs. Yeah. So nice. they. It's it's more than just audio samples. Yeah. Uh, they they also they rarely use like I said. They'll use like a vinyl, or they'll use um, inanimate objects like children's toys or filing cabinets, and they'll just kind of slam the door and sample <laughs> and loop it. They're eclectic as fuck. Yeah, no longer a band. They broke up a few years ago now. Huh. Nick, they actually both. Nick Zamuto has put out multiple solo albums. Okay. Paul Oh He just actually put out his first. Uh, solo album as well. I would love for them to reunite because their solo stuff isn't as. Uh, the books yeah, are one of my favorite as, bands. Huh. I'd never heard I, of them. I highly, now, honestly, I'm surprised. They're definitely one of those bands where I don't think you'd ever stumble upon them. Yeah. You have to have someone show them to you. Yeah. They're, they're like yeah, kind of yeah. one of those bands. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I'll. <laughs> uh, you definitely, especially this album, I highly recommend checking it out. It's their third album. Uh, I I didn't really find out that much more about it. There's not a ton of information about them. Yeah. They're kind of a smaller band. Where are they from? Did uh, you say? Well, they they met in New York City yeah. and then they moved all over the place. I think one of them resides in like Boston now or okay. something. Hmm. They're, they're East Coast guys. Yeah. Well, and the one guy's French. I, I believe. Damn. I'm fucking French. <laughs> Derek. Derek. Yeah, sorry. Derrick. Oh, yeah, Derrick. A little bit of Dominique in me. So this song, An Owl With Knees, I, I found out that there's a decent amount of fan, a decent amount of fans believe this song is about tripping on LSD. Really? Yeah. Really? Yes. <laughs> uh, such as the lyrics, breathe, be calm, you're gone, gone on, yeah. which is a bit of a stretch, but... Hear me out. This is some conspiracy theory shit right okay. here. Okay. Does the name Owsley Stanley mean anything to you? No. <laughs> Owsley Stanley, who was also known as Bear, was an American audio engineer and chemist. And he was a key figure in the San Francisco Bay Area hippie movement like during cool the 1960s and played a pivotal role in the counterculture of the 1960s. Wow. He was a sound man for the Grateful Dead. Okay, I know. And yeah. was a close friend yeah. of Ken Kesey and frequently Great attended tests. the acid test parties. Yeah. And I didn't know this. This Owsley Stanley guy was the first private individual to manufacture mass quantities of LSD while it was still legal in the United States. Because it wasn't illegal. He was, like he was at one point in time the largest distributor of LSD in the country. Wow. Uh, wow. By his own account, between 1965 and 1967, he produced no less than 500 grams of LSD, amounting to little more than 10 million doses at a time. Oh, my God. 10 million doses in it per batch. Wow. Holy shit. So some people think that along with some of the lyrics, which can be loosely interpreted to someone tripping on LSD and the fact that yeah. it's called an owl with knees and the guy's name is Owlsley. Yeah. It, like I said, it's conspiracy. It's, it's a bit far, but... Do owls have knees? They don't. Okay. 
Okay, then... They then don't have knees. If they had knees, then I wouldn't think Which twice. Is, but if they don't have knees... Like some people, the, li- the lyric in the song that the title's taken for is, Strange to see how time agrees to slow down for owls with no knees. <laughs> now, owls don't have knees, so no. therefore time slows down for no one. That's right. kind of the sentiment of, of that line. Right. Because time only slows down for owls with knees. There are no owls with knees. Therefore, time slows down for no one. Right. Time is fleeting. Life is precious. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Did you take acid to reach that conclusion? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way you can see that owls don't have <laughs> yeah. knees, man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so what did you think of this track? Uh, I was a big fan, honestly. It kind of reminded me of one of my favorite bands, Caliphone, actually. All right, now I'll finally listen to Caliphone. Yeah, now you got because it was, it was, folk, Americana sensibility, but with depth. You know what I mean? It's easy, I, and I, I'm being very kind of vague almost. But it's easy to just do, kind of Americana. You know, you get the acoustic guitar and you get the percussion and you get the cello, but it had depth. It had a sort of like pulsating curious feeling to it that made it deeper than just an easy kind of folksy song so i I was actually it's kind of a i cannot quite say what it was exactly but there's something about it that was i uh, i said it was almost like an american cigarose like cigarose is so they're from iceland right yes there's imagine if something like cigarose was in America and they were in the American tradition to do something you know what I mean and to me it was like that kind of ambient spiritual vibe using American kind of folksy music so that's high praise for me I was a big fan of no, that, the song no that makes a lot of sense because Sigur Rós is also a willingness to kind of experiment with like the bowed guitar yeah and yeah nonsensical gibberish lyrics yeah so no, yeah, and I can also kind of like uh, a new spin on a traditional form of music. Like yeah. Sigur Rós gets associated with post-rock, but by mo- no means are they like a explosions in the sky. Yeah, no, Or no, Godspeed, you Black Emperor. Right. And you would call, like, yeah, the melodies are folk-based, but I wouldn't call this straight-up folk music. No, by yeah, means, it's something so. more. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. actually. No, I, I love the books. I love this track. I Yeah, it's great. It's really good. I really love going against the last song. I love how kind of slow and odd it starts off and then yeah. it kind of builds into this very syncopated. Yeah. Their, their, their use of syncopation, I think, is incredible. Honestly, Radiohead, Burn the Witch? Yeah. It's kind yeah. of ripping, not ripping it off, but this reminded me no. of that. And, and this is way before. Paul de Jong is yeah. an incredible cellist. Yeah. And his cello that comes in, especially like at like the 325 minute yep. mark. Yep. I gave me chills almost. I love yep. the cello in this song. And yeah, it's great. Yeah, I wrote that down too. That, yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, I, I'm not one to be labeling people, but they're like... I feel like they're like borderline virtuoso musicians. Like I've seen this band live twice and they're just incredibly proficient musicians. Yeah. They sound like it. They know what they're doing. Like tech, like highly technically skilled musicians. Yeah. And it does, it comes across so kind of effortless. And if you don't pay attention, 
you don't realize the intricacies like laid in the music. Yeah, almost. but it's complex. It's Extremely. not just simple. Yeah. yeah, no, it's great. And the voice too, honestly, I thought the voice was very effective too. Kind of ethereal. Like Sigur Rós. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, but it's good. And and I don't know if you've, again, it's cheap to just compare it to other musical entities, but have you ever heard of Penguin Cafe Orchestra? No. They're like a minimalist band or they're an orchestra but they also just have like guitar violin cello harmonium and they kind of like fill up glass just repetitive but it becomes almost like a mantra and like the two minute to two and a half minute mark was like something that they would have done and they're also one of my favorite kind of classical minimalist bands which again is a high praise for me so but yeah they're great i mean their ear for like effective melody and the way they just kind of loop it and rhythmic and then build on it is fantastic. It is. Yeah. I've never heard of them. Never heard of them. I'm kind was kind of shocked. Yeah. You, you definitely need to check them yeah, out. I got to check them out. I'm sorry to get you into a dead band, yeah. but they have four yes. albums. <laughs> they have four albums. So yeah. yeah. And going back to his vocals, I had this thought because his vocals are so like calming and yeah, soft. Very calm. Yeah. I, I had this realization that they might be the most least intrusive vocals <laughs> I've ever heard in a yeah, song Yeah, really, before. yeah, they're just... It's like an so ASMR chill. track yeah. almost where it's just like a massage. <laughs> it massages your brain while you listen yeah, to it. Yeah, it does, it does. No, no I, I love this track. Yeah, I it's love good. the books. It's really good. Two thumbs up. Yeah. A++. Yeah, A+. All right, let's move on to our third track, Lives by Modest Mouse. Uh, Modest, what did you say? How do you know it's not lives, dude? <laughs> You're right, that word that's said all the time. <laughs> Livies. It's very Modest Moose. Moose. <laughs> mouse. Modest Moose. Modest Mouse. Mouse. Moduste. <laughs> Moduste. Medusa Mouth. Oh, yeah, I love Modest Mouse. Tastes so good. Thanks, Randy. <laughs> Take a bite out of a mouse. Oh, yeah. Was oh, that Ozzy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, Bat. Yeah. Here you go. Uh, this is off the 2000 album, The Moon in Antarctica. Never one, heard one of it. One of their lesser known <laughs> albums. Never heard of it. Uh,. Modest Mouse is an American indie rock band from Issaquah, Washington, formed by Isaac Brock, Jeremiah Green, and Eric Judy. And this is their second appearance on Shuffle. Yeah, that's the what first I for Derek and Dominic. Derek and Derek and the Dominics. Derek and the Dominics. <laughs> his do, his new duop project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Music to our ears. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna review their their <laughs> their first album on our next episode. We should record an album. I do. Hey, it's not that bad. It's bad, but it's not that bad. It. <laughs> it's. <laughs> That's like the tagline for the album. <laughs> it's definitely bad, but it's not it's quite not as that bad, bad as you think. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, if you want to hear a bunch of background stuff about Modest Mouse, you can go back and listen to episode nine, I think it was, that Max was on. 
I, I don't know how to do this. I don't feel like I should rehash it for people who have listened to it already. But if someone did listen hearts. to it, you guys probably know who Modest Mouse is. Let's talk about The Moon in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. The third album by Modest Mouse, which peaked at number 120 on the U.S. Billboard 200 album charts. The album title is taken from the opening scene of Blade Runner, where the main character is reading a newspaper headline that says... Farming the Oceans, the Moon, and Antarctica. Oh, I actually didn't know that. So they're a bunch of fucking nerds. Yeah. Nerds. This was their first album released on a major label, Epic Records. Uh, The album was released to critical acclaim by both fans and critics, despite people's concerns about it being released on a major label. This was also the first time that they licensed a song for a commercial project. The band licensed the song Gravity Rides Everything, which is one of my favorite songs That's off the song. album. That's a great song. For a Nissan Quest minivan commercial. Oops. I've uh, <laughs> I've looked everywhere online. I can't find the commercial anywhere. No one you has a recording of it. At least they made a shit ton of money. Off of it. Well, I don't really fault them. That's kind of exa- like Isaac Brock, the front man of the band, has public publicly acknowledged this move as a blatantly commercial one but so a necessary keep making music yeah, I mean, for I a necessary know. move in yeah. order to achieve financial stability yeah i it's hypocritical if you're buy, look if you're buying their music you're supporting the capitalist system and for you to then say oh you shouldn't sell your song fucking to- sheep the only way to get rid of the capitalist system is to, to pirate it <laughs> exactly Actually, Derek Derek is a huge fan of capitalism. Unlike Dominic. Derek, huge fan. Huge fan. The uh, the C in Derek stands for capitalism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> actually, is there a C in name. your name, actually? It's, a, it's my it's middle probably name. A K. Derek Capitalism Mahoney. <laughs> Mahoney. Which I just like to call money. I'm not really short. Money! Money! <laughs> <laughs> Is that part of your name? Actually, yeah. like that yeah. down, 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 and I go do, <laughs> and then then you got to end up by saying it's not as bad as you think. It's not as ba- it's bad. <laughs> I'll give you that. It's bad. Capitalism. It's bad. No, it's not, as it's bad not as quite as bad as you think. It's a shuffle guarantee. That's the Derek Doop guarantee. Derek Doop Mahoney. I think Derek had an aneurysm. <laughs> Derek's dead. Call me Derek. <laughs> Uh, so Isaac said, quote, people who don't have to make their living playing music can bitch about my principles while they spend their parents' money or <laughs> wash dishes for some asshole. Isaac Brock, always well-spoken. Pitchfork ranked The Moon in Antarctica, the third best album of the 2000s. Wow. Trailing behind Kid A by Radiohead and August Brun by Sigur Rós. Wow. So, that was the number one. Kid A was one. Was one. August oh, wow. Brune was. I'm saying that wrong, but I don't know. How to say the Sigur Rós album, Agitis by Rujun. Wow. What about Paul McCartney's solo album? What was the name of that album, Dominic? I'm Paul, and I'm here to stay. <laughs> you don't know that? <laughs> and I dance around in a Paul Paul way. <laughs> yeah, and I dance around in a Paul Paul way. <laughs> Oh god, I wish you put out an album <laughs> called that. It's called Fuck Me on Paul. 
I'm Paul F. McCartney. I'm Paul F. McCartney. <laughs> I'm Paul. Quote <laughs> or parentheses. It's bad. It's, it's not it's as not bad, bad as you bad. think. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the album, as well as being the third best album of the 2000s, was ranked the seventh best album of the years 2000 through 2004, and the sixth Wait, best what? album of the decade. All by Pitchfork. Okay. So these are three separate lists. Huh. Those don't quite seem to add up. No. Or maybe I'm a little Derek down. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay, I'm wrong. It was the third best album of the year 2000. Oh, okay. Which is when Kid A... The year 2000. Yeah. You doing a fucking Conan O'Brien bit I on know. my goddamn show? <laughs> I grew up on that <laughs> shit. I have to. Love my Conan. No, Conan's alright. <laughs> Let me. I'm gonna publicly endorse. Oh. Conan O'Brien gets the shuffle nod of approval. Of all the hosts, you're all allowed sure. to watch Conan O'Brien. Only Conan, otherwise you're dead to us. Dead. Take a bite at a Conan. Oh yeah. Randy Savage, also a supporter of Conan O'Brien. Oh yeah. From behind the grave. You see that? Dude, he died like. <laughs> like six yeah. years ago. That's really depressing. I kind of wish you hadn't told me. You want to stop the episode? Oh, no. <laughs> I think I'm say, oh, yeah. And then oh, just, like, yeah. walk away. <laughs> Knock the table <laughs> over. Uh, so, yeah, so it was the third best album of the 2000s, the seventh best album of 2000 through 2004, and then of the entire decade, the sixth best oh. album. So it did better... In the whole decade than it did in 2000 to 2004. Ooh, Pitchfork, okay. what the fuck are you doing? Pitchfork. They're so good with numbers. So oh. Good. Speaking of Calamophone, uh, the album was oh, produced yeah. by Brian Deck, who was Calamophone's producer. Yeah. And ended up inviting Calamophone as the opening act. For An ugly Casanova is a Calamophone yeah. Collaboration. And Brian Deck was also involved in yeah. that as well. Yeah. Calphone, I'm telling you. They're not that bad. I'm going to put off listening to them as long as I possibly can. <laughs> but you did end up listening to Health, so I will break down and listen. And I dig Health. Yeah, yeah listen to Calphone. Do you listen to that new Health track? When did it come out? This is the Adult news. Swim Singles. So. Adult every summer, Adult Swim. Oh yeah, they. Yep, and yeah, they, they just did. released the health one. No, I haven't it's heard called it. Crusher. I posted it on the Shuffle Facebook page, and you liked that shit. I liked it. Yeah, because I, I definitely will, didn't. Listen. I will say, it was. I firstly apologized for not putting out an episode in forever, and then I ended oh, it with. with the health. Check out the health song. No, check I it out. Check it's it pretty out. good. Uh, so this song, lives. 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 I think it's just my own. It's Levies. 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 It's actually it's them being so uh, corporate capitalist sellouts even more. It's Levi's is actually how it's yeah, pronounced. Levi's. Levi's. Trademark. Yeah, with a little T here. <laughs> so, pretty much, what I take away from this song is that it's kind of about the existential dread and fear of wasting your life. Yeah, yeah. And it tends to kind of fall on the cynical side of that. Yep. Uh, surprise, surprise. Actually, okay, this song. Is the song open now for conversation? Yeah, I was just going to throw it I to you. I got a little bit of a bone to pick. I'm a humongous 
Great Modest pointer. Mouse fan. I'm a huge fan of this album. Gravity Rides Everything. That is a that's like a spiritual song to me. I love it. I'll never bad talk Except this album. Now you know that it was for a Nissan commercial. Yeah, but <laughs> I like it a little bit more now because I love capitalism. It's but, good. But this song. This song. I'm not sure what it's trying to get away with, but I feel like it doesn't quite earn it. I'll say this. This song has the two, what I consider to be the two, not the two, but two classic elements of a Moss Mouse song. Element one, it's ruminative, minor chord, electronic, acoustic mix, and it's very pessimistic. Right? That seems to be a Moss Mouse theme. Element two. Element two, right around the 130 mark. It's a little bit more redemptive and emotional. It is. It's a little more optimistic. But here's where it bugs me ever so slightly when I give it a very close read. Is that element one that's very pessimistic? Everyone's afraid of your own life. You, we're ignorant, but the more we know, the more we hate people, right? That's a pretty terrifying existential world it's created in the first half. Second half, more emotional. It's saying, oh, but... Let's just live and don't forget to be, to just, you know, remember we're alive. But you've already told us how terrible it is. How am I supposed yeah, to do it? I, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and I'll, like, it's a good song. From, but, like, but it, I, it doesn't earn the emotional catharsis. From a, a purely sonic point, that is a rough transition. <laughs> it they is. just, like, they're, like, in the middle of this, like, slow dirge of everybody's horrible and the more you get to know people they suck and then like a fucking car just crashes into yeah. it's like it's hard to remember yes. it's hard to remember and it, then it doesn't quite earn it it's it's almost like there's a fight going on and then the first half of the song wakes up and knocks the second half out and yeah. then ends it in that it like, ends yeah it ends cynicism again yeah it, which is that what it because that's what I wrote too it, it, it slows down ends in that first element is that what it was going for I don't dislike the song and I love Moss Mouse and I love this album I always will but this song I'm not sure what to make well and it's I don't know Isaac usually comes across with so much like conviction yeah. and assuredness and this song is not that at all yeah I wrote less sure dot 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 but it's That's weird it because the lyrics aren't tailored towards an unsure feeling He's the, the the lyrics are still very much this is how things are, but yeah. it's just two conflicting ones, and neither of them really comment on the other one. They're like almost separate. Yep. I I it's, don't know. To me, it's good. It has the elements, but it maybe needed one more drafting of the song to make it a masterpiece. Yeah. But it's kind of insane to ask every song on the album to be a masterpiece. I love this album. Every song doesn't need to be perfect. But if this song were, were, were asked to judge it on perfection, it could have gone through one more. Yeah, well, it's, it's just like it starts off so bitter. Yeah, and then, and then it it's like, oh, life is hard, so it's okay. Yeah, it's and like then it ends with, but thing. life still sucks yeah. at the end. Yeah. And I'll also say Isaac Brock is usually such an expressive vocalist, and even his vocals are like a bit tuned down like a couple yeah. notches of what he's normally at yeah uh, i i think this might have been like 
an attempt at something that they'd go on to do very successfully, which is kind of like a softer song with a deep message. Yeah. But it didn't quite hit the mark. You know, it's no Ocean Breathe Salty yeah, or anything exactly. like that. Yeah, no, it's not so, there yet. Like, I don't know. It's... I give it like a B. Yeah, because Not it's, a B minus, not a B plus. It's just a B. I, I agree. It's an enjoyable song, but upon like deeper analyzation yeah it's not a good way to put that looking deeper into it it kind of just doesn't stand up to no. scrutiny i guess it's probably i i haven't listened to this album in a long time but it's probably the worst song on the album which I, is saying a lot yeah that it's still a good song i don't hate this song by any measure but it's probably the you know it's like a b but the album is a masterpiece. The album is a masterpiece. That little-known album. Yeah. What's it called again? Uh, Pluto. Mars in the North Pole yeah, or Mars something. <laughs> that can be Derek and the Dominic. <laughs> That's your yeah, your Mar- doo-wop cover yeah. album. Mars in the North <laughs> Pole. All right, let's move on to our next track. Leviathan by Leathermuth. Leathermuth. Leviathan by Leathermouth. Off the 2009 album, XO. I, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's just the letter X and then the O with the slash through it again. Leathermouth was a hardcore punk band led by former My Chemical Romance rhythm guitarist, Frank Eero. Hmm. The band formed in 2007, and Eero became its lead singer shortly thereafter. Eero has stated that he used the band as a way to vent the frustrations he felt with the current political and social climate in the United States, as well as a way to cope with anxiety and depression that he had felt and suffered through during his lifetime. Wow. Yeah, so in a 2012 interview, Eero revealed that many of the other band members turned to religion and decided not to be part of Leather or Mouth anymore, though he also stated that he'd like to continue the band but is unsure if that will actually happen or not. Hmm. He said, quote, there's still part of me that would hate not doing the band again. There's something brewing, but I don't know what it is. I really wanted that band to go on longer, but Jesus had other plans. There's nothing worse than starting a band and then everyone leaves because they found God. Damn Classic it, God. story. <laughs> Damn it, God. That's the first time I've ever heard that story. That's a great... My band. It's kind of hard to, like, every member except for him. <laughs> how dark were they going? How, how dark did they have well, to go to everyone's There's like, some pretty dark parts. Like, there's yeah. there's an, a song on this album called Fifth Period Massacre that's from the viewpoint of a school shooter. Really? Yeah, because this song yeah. is a little bit about, yeah, killing. It's... Yeah. And fucking. It's yeah. pretty dark. Yeah. And then there, I'll, I'll talk about this a bit in a second, but there's a song on the album titled... I am going to kill the president of the United States of America. Wow. He probably got talked to by the CIA for a bit. He actually did. Yeah. I'll get to that in a second. Wow. Uh, so this album, XO, although it did not chart on the Billboard 200, it did reach number 21 on the top Heat Seekers chart. Many of the songs on the album hit on, quote, topics people want to forget exist end quote and the album as a whole suggests that quote the world is going to shit and someone has to say it end quote Uh, frank then went on to say 
I would say this record is about trying to wake people up to what is happening right now in front of their eyes. We are all trying our hardest to pretend bad things don't happen to good people and that there's some higher power looking over us, but it's bullshit. Stop covering your children's eyes. Everything is fucked and pretending it isn't and pretending not isn't making things any better. I'm tired of people praying for change when it's up to them to get off their asses and make a change. So the track, hmm. I am going to kill the president of the United States of America. Uh, he was visited by the Secret Service after the album was released. Yeah. And he explained to them that he wrote the song while he was touring overseas with My Chemical Romance and he saw a bunch of anti-American rallies every day and explained that the song was simply written from one of those protesters point of view. Uh, the Secret Service then told him that if he ever re-released the song in any capacity or ever played the song live again he would be sentenced to at least five years in prison. Wow. Yeah, you can say you're going to kill the press. So actually on their website on their website they have lyrics written down for every one of their songs and on that one it said we had to remove the lyrics for this song <laughs> so speaking of that the only other song on their website that doesn't have lyrics written under it is actually this one leviathan underneath it the words e dot v dot p dot is written evp that's like it ghost hunters that's EVP, my that's my best that's guess. That's my only reference for it. An EVP is, from my understanding, an electronic voice phenomenon, which yeah. is an auditory recording of a spirit, ghost, demon, or supernatural being. Uh, I don't know too much about it. We'll have to bring in Zach Bagans to talk more because he knows Zach all about that Bagans. shit. Good old Z bag. Just a classic Z bag. Just a classic Z bag. Uh, so, in a, a Leviathan is also a sea monster which is referenced in the Tanakhan or the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably said Tanakhan Famous wrong. text by the one and only Thomas Hobbes, Leviathan. Oh, yeah. And old Thomas Aquinas has also written about Leviathan as really? well. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the word has become synonymous with the idea of large sea monster or creature. In modern Hebrew, the word simply means whale. In Christianity, the Leviathan was used as an image of Satan and has been described as the demon of envy and is considered to be the hell mouth in the seven princes of hell. So his mouth is literally a a gateway to hell. So when you take the idea of the Leviathan and then the EVP put together, I can only kind of conclude that Perhaps the lyrics are supposed to be written from the perspective of a demon of some sort or someone okay. who is possessed by a demon or is having demonic thoughts. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I, I really, I read these lyrics over and over again and I have no fucking clue what it's about other than someone's kind of upset about something. Someone's definitely upset. Uh, so like maybe someone, either, it kind of has this idea like, Someone who as a child was hurt by an adult figure maybe because they kind of referenced being a five-year-old and now they're they're a killer. Yeah. And the radio makes them sick. I I don't know. What do you think? I, what I, do you think of this song? I got to know. I think it's kind of a dumb song. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, it's actually... This, this always happens with this podcast. This is not... 
a good representation of this band. Okay. okay. This is actually one of the more kind of subtler and quieter songs on the album. Hmm. Most of the album is just relentless screaming and intensity and wow. harshness. Just yeah, yeah. I'd really, really hardcore, hardcore punk. And yeah. This, most of the lyrics are like, delivered in this kind of like mumbling whiny unintelligible voice yeah yeah i i i honestly i gotta agree i i think it's a bad song it gets the bad song label it's just uh it's like hard metal punky vibe and it's just to me it was basic to me it had the basic power chords basic drum the basic repertoire of a hard-ish metal punk song. And then it only had one difference. And the difference is what makes or breaks it as a great or a bad song. And the difference were the lyrics and the vocals that were both very bad upon closer inspection. I thought the vocals were just like, just incredibly annoying. And the lyrics made no sense and were borderline no offensive. Sense. They were borderline offensive. I will fuck you the same. It's like a creepy machismo thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Not I to get PC about it. No, no. But it rubbed me the wrong way. I was just kind of like, That's kind of like what, it's almost like, is this supposed to be from the perspective of like <laughs> some kid who got molested and now they're like killing Gonna their kill molester? Him, maybe? Yeah, it's something it's something very Just dark. Like, Who's a killer? Who's a killer? Who's yeah. a killer? Like what? You killed my childhood, and now I'll kill you. Yeah. Like, it's not subtle. There's nothing subtle about it. There's nothing. There's no artistic complexity. It's just basic instruments and kind of an annoying voice and borderline disturbing lyrics. But I, mean, I believe, especially knowing it's the it's a, the guitarist from. My Chemical Romance. My Chemical Romance. I believe the album has more nuance or inter- interesting music, especially if it's more intense. Yeah. I can see it going in that direction. It is. I will. This song is just kind of a middling, creepy, it's, weird. The album as a whole, not to speak too highly of it, it, it is, it's a bit much. Yeah. Well, like... <laughs> It's just so it like, sounds like it's, it. It's if just so like everyone shock in the value. yeah. If everyone in the band yeah. film God, it's just like I'm gonna be edgy and write a song about killing the president, and I'm gonna write a song yeah. about the perspective of a school shooter, and it's just kind of like mm-hmm. you you don't have to like you can talk about issues without hitting it over the head. Yeah, exactly. you don't have to be so blatant. There is yeah. There's an like there's artistic merit in subtlety. Absolutely. And yeah. Suggestion rather than blatantly say, I'm gonna bring a gun to school. Yeah, and this pew, is heavy handed. I'll fuck you just the same. Yeah, so, and I I don't know whether he's trying to refer to himself as the Leviathan or this person. Yeah. And I don't, this sounds almost like it should have been a bonus track. Yeah. It doesn't fit, I mean, you don't know this, but it, it doesn't fit in with the rest of the album. The layered vocals mixed with the talking and mumbling delivery make it hard to imagine that this was ever like intended to be performed it sounds alive. more like a b-side you couldn't That's recreate what I this. it sounds like a b-side yeah. just kind of yeah throwaway track and i don't know if like 
the lyrics were never meant to actually be read because you can't understand the lyrics from listening to it. No. And like I, you can find the lyrics online, but on their website, they intentionally did not list them while they listed the rest of the lyrics. <laughs> so maybe it's just meant to be like a really personal song and that the message is only like he's just trying to kind of create a song out of something that only he can derive meaning from. Yeah. I don't know. It's not that. It's not a great song. <laughs> it's not a good one. Yeah. Do, do you have any other thoughts or? It gets a thumbs down. Derek and doesn't Dominic. Get the, Is doesn't it two thumbs the, down? Yeah, it's a Derek and Dominic. Derek and Dominic do not approve. No. It's not family friendly. No, they are doing a cover it for their doo-wop band. <laughs> yeah. Doo-wop, I'll fuck you just the same. Doo-wop, fuck you just the same. Doo-wop, who's a who's a who's a That's actually would be pretty good. It's yeah. not family well, friendly. Have you, have you ever heard of um, Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine? Yes. Yep. It sounds like yep. something they would do. Like oh, that's a, we missed it on the news. Zach De La Roca came out with us. Finally, his debut solo. I completely. I read that this morning, and yeah, after like what years in the making. Twenty years. Someone said twenty, almost two decades of waiting. It's insane. Well, I was waiting because for that. Brief, Allegedly, for he's that, been doing for solo. That brief period of time, Rage Against the Machine was back together. Yeah. And now instantly, similar as to the first time when they broke up, and the entire band. Of Rage Against the Machine quit and reformed with Chris Cornell to do Audio Slave. Yep. The entirety of the band quit and now is doing the Prophets of Rage. Prophets of Rage. Minus Zach De La Roche. Yeah. He must just be like the most difficult person to work with. Yeah. I'm guessing. Not that he's intense. I don't think Tom Morello's a walk in the park either. I think he's. I, I but think Zach like, De La Roca is like hardcore activist. His he like grew up in like a hippie commune like radical anti-establishment and he like was down with like the zapatistas like like he's intense as hell oh i did did you hear that they're like banned from playing in minnesota yeah yeah. because of the protest on the capitol that's pretty badass yeah Yeah, that's pretty badass but no i i'm excited to hear that there's i haven't heard it yet there's as cheesy it can be like Zach, he he can just fucking spit. Yeah, is the best way to put yep. it. Like, no one can angrily rap like he can. Yep. So no, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure it'll be good to a point. I can't imagine what he's gonna sound like left to his own devices. <laughs> I feel uh, like it's. I've heard be, it's good. Yeah. I've heard that one single is supposed to be really good, but I haven't listened. Yeah, to something it. like Black Widow or. Some back window or, or digging windows from the ground. I know window something, something digging like for windows. Right. Something. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to our last track. Wrap this up. Street Trash by Tobacco, off the 2008 album Fucked Up Friends. Tobacco is Thomas Feck, an American electronic musician who is also the frontman and mastermind behind the psychedelic synth pop band black moth super rainbow Uh, in both settings he works most conspicuously with pre-digital electronic instruments such as analog synthesizers and tape machines and vocoders he actually grew up not too far from where we're currently recording this in allegheny county pennsylvania and he says that the name tobacco derived from a character that freaked him out as a kid 
who is the tobacco man from the movie <laughs> Redneck Zombies. I haven't seen it. It's the most... <laughs> it's so B-film that it's like <laughs> F-film. It's nice. like the most low-budget zombie movie about like these hillbilly rednecks that come into contact with toxic waste and just start fucking killing people. Nice. It's like total like late 70s horror gory <laughs> shitty movie. And there's this character named the Tobacco, Tobacco Man, Man. And that's where he got the name Tobacco, which nice. I will say is probably one of the best band names I've ever heard it's of. Good, Tobacco. Yeah. Tobacco. It's so good. Yeah, it's good. Um, when asked about the difference between Blackmouth Super Rainbow and Tobacco, Tom has said, Mostly everything I've done with Blackmouth Super Rainbow is made to be pop. And a lot of people say Black Mouth Super Rainbow is bordering on hip-hop beats. So with Tobacco, I wanted to embrace my beats and get darker and sleeker with it all. Hmm. I wanted to make you feel paranoid in a good way. There's something seriously fucked up about workout tapes from the mid-80s and about everything obscure on beta tape. They make me feel awful, but really good and curious at the same time. And with this Tobacco stuff, I'm trying to translate that feeling. The reason why he brings up the 80s workout tapes is because there was a DVD released with this album that was all these music videos of just these weird clips from 1980s workout videos and horror mm. movies that he found. So this was his uh, Fucked Up Friends was his debut solo release after Black Moth. This was the first solo thing he did. And it's curious because now he's kind of transitioned more into putting out, focusing more on tobacco music than black moth music in the past uh. few years at least. Yeah. In my opinion, this album is the best thing he's ever done over all of the projects he's ever worked on. Nice. This is my favorite album of his. Nice. So this song, Street Trash, it kicks off the album. It's the first track on it. Mm. It's catchy and groovy as fuck. I don't know. What, what did you think of it? Yeah, the... That electronic sound at the beginning. Broom, 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 I don't know broom, how broom. he does it, but it's so like delicious and soft and mellifluous, to use a poetic word. There's something about the quality of that initial sound that I can't even describe that you just have to listen to, but it's extraordinary. It really is. I've been listening to more like LCD sound system and like that guy is obsessed with getting that tiny little bit of sound. You know what I mean? That mm -hmm. tiny and like that initial sound that starts the whole thing is delicious. It's perfect. It's it beautiful. Is perfect. It is like one of the best electronic sounds I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I'm not even joking. No, I, it's just like I don't know how he does it. But I haven't heard it on any other song, but it's just like perfect. I don't know. I, I I can't describe it even. It's it is fantastic. This is a hard song to talk about because it's, it's only ninety seconds. It's like ninety. It's super short long. and yeah. it's like nothing you've ever heard before. And the only lyrics are na 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 nas, and it's just like yeah yeah na nas yeah. It's such a good song, but I have but like it's I have so little to say about it at yeah. the same point. It it's it's like a beautiful distortion. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it's, it. Like, extremely chill and gritty at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, that's what I put, too. Yeah, it's tough, but it's beautiful. He does kind of <laughs> nail that sentiment of, like, I want to make you feel awful and really good at the same yeah. time. Yeah. And he does. He he walks that, that tightrope between 
something that's soothing but kind of off-putting like eerie but yep. enjoyable it kind of sounds like in the music the instrumentation sounds like like a 1970s like science class <laughs> documentary that yeah. you watch yeah but gone wrong yeah, in some way. <laughs> and it's crazy that all of these instruments he's using are like analog everything yeah, he does it is sounds analog very, yeah which is just crazy i it's funky it will like bob your head but it's very complex that's the trick i don't know how he does it either it's not just like a simple melody you hear on like top 40 no it's beautiful you'll want to listen to it but it's yeah there's something almost sinister there's something off about it that makes it complex it's great you just gotta listen to it i uh, I can't. You can't can't describe I can't it. describe it. It's you not, can't describe but it. But it's extremely good. And it's this guy understands like he has an ear for electronic sound. Yeah, he does. And I, I will, I will say he is like a Tom Waits in that there is no one else doing what he's doing. Yeah, but I he can it. only do what he does. He can't <laughs> do anything else. Yeah, I can now, believe it. Like. A lot of times people have this problem when they're first getting into him and his music. They're like, well, Black Moth and Tobacco, they sound exactly the same. Because in both of them, he's constraining himself to these analog, electronic instruments. Yeah. And I, I kind of had this epiphany today trying to like talk about his music. It's kind of like wine, his music. Going back to our... <laughs> our wine thing on the on the new segment for someone who never drinks wine all wines taste the same whether yeah. you're drinking a three dollar bottle of wine or a five hundred dollar bottle yeah, of wine it tastes the same. it tastes yeah. like alcoholic grape juice yeah now as you continue to taste more in wines and develop your palate, you can start to taste the subtleties of the wine. And that's when you read the bottle and you can see someone say like, oh, there's subtle hints of tobacco and cherry <laughs> and orange. Yep. And, and it's it's the same with this music. To the lay person, I'm sure yeah. all of his songs kind of sound exactly the same. But to the connoisseur of his music, someone who really takes the time to appreciate the subtle sonic differences and textures found in the different projects, a vast amount of variety can actually be found within his music. And I yeah. think that kind of plays into like, it's this kind of really simple melody, but it's actually extremely complex how it's all it is. together. Yeah, it is. No, that's a very good way to describe it. Yeah, if you give it the attention, it, it pays off. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's very, it's complex and it's beautiful. That's a very rare combination. Yeah. That's a very, very rare combination. Yeah, because he is kind he's affiliated with Nine Inch Nails in some way or Trent Reznor in some way or Open Form. Was that it? I thought in my mind there was some vague connection. I mean, I can draw those connections for you, okay. but not a direct one. But not a direct one. Wow. Because Trent Reznor... Well, no, okay, no, sorry. You're right. Recently, Trent Reznor took to his Apple Music profile, posting Tobacco's new album, Sweatbox Dynasty, saying album of the year. So Trent, and actually Trent's wife, Maraqueen a while ago, back when Tobacco's second album, Maniac Meat, came out, which featured two tracks with Beck on it. Oh, wow. Mary Queen Reznor, Trent's wife, stated that that was her album of the year. 
Wow. So both Trent and Mary Queen have come forward stating that they are fans of tobacco. Okay. And you're a fan of both. That's am, probably why I drew yeah. the connection. Well, and so here, a, a while ago, I came up with this idea of this <laughs> new segment called Nine Degrees of Separation, where I try to connect a band to Nine Inch Nails somehow. <laughs> nine, nine. It's not actually nine. This will just be two. Tobacco remixed the health song Die Slow. Health opened up for Nine Inch Nails health at one point in time. So yeah, there, I I, there I connected them for you. Two degrees, that's super. Two degrees easy. of separation. Nice. No, but yeah, it's a great song. They're great. It, just the attention in the ear for like electronic sound reminds me of Trent Reznor. No, yeah, the, it does. Like, like the, kind of like the obsessive. Yeah. Like you know, like every single bleep and bloop on this song was purposefully placed there. Yeah, exactly. Which is exactly what Trent would do yeah just a control freak yeah so if you had a pick what is your favorite track of the five i mean the books i'll go and listen to but as crazy as it sounds street trash it was just so it was like heroin it sounded so good i i have to pick it i have to kind of go exactly <laughs> with what you said like my so initial good. inclination <laughs> is to go with the books but then i go to the street trash i'm like God, that's a fucking great track. It's like a drug. It yeah. sounds so. I listened to it like a hundred times today. I was it's like, like a good Man. dealer. He hits you with the good stuff and, and leaves you more. Want more. Yeah, no, it's great. It's very yeah. good. Check out his album, Fucked Up Friends. Yeah, I will. It's yeah. just every track on that album is gold. And Aesop Rock, who is a really? contender for one of my favorite albums of this year, has a feature on Fucked Up Friends. And I wish he would do this more. If there's one place where tobacco shines is if he makes the beats for a rapper who then raps rapper. over his music. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Just fucking I'll have to check perfect. that out. Yeah, definitely. The Aesop rock track begins with Aesop saying, it's my duty to inform you that honey bunches of oats is the greatest cereal that mankind has ever created. <laughs> it is very yeah. good. I have to agree. <laughs> honey it bunches of very, oats. It is very good. Yeah. Shit's good. Yeah. So that'll wrap up episode 22 uh y'all got shuffled y'all got shuffled <laughs> suckers <laughs> uh please uh, send us submissions of genres you want us to talk about songs you'd like us to review you can hit us up on facebook at facebook.com shuffle at shuffle podcast on twitter shufflepodcast.tumblr.com for tumblr mm. or email us at shufflecastpod at gmail.com and if you'd be so inclined, go to our website at www.jrdsctt.com slash shuffle. Check out our post for this. Click on that Amazon link and buy some shit on Amazon to help support the podcast at no additional cost to you. It'll be great. Oh, yeah. Randy Savage also agrees. <laughs> so uh, here are your tracks for episode 23 whenever that comes out because there might be some other stuff coming out between now and now you know what I'm saying Where the Road Parts by The Deer Hunter <laughs> Revenge by Mindless Self-Indulgence Alagia by New Order or Alagia Pictures in the Gold Room by Chimera and the final track 
Baba by Sigur Rós. That was a very subtle end to your drum solo, Randy Savage. I know. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh. All right. Other than that, uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hopefully, it won't be a month again. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Yeah, go fuck yourselves. <laughs>